Hallelujah. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord? I'm going to do something that's going to make you love me right off. You can be seated. That's some of the sweetest words that's ever said in an apostolic church. You may be seated. I, uh, I'm not here by accident. I'm here on purpose. I, um, I've already had church at our church today. And um, I've been, I preached in three states last week. I'm making three states this week. And uh, so I, I, I didn't come here because I was bored or didn't have anything to do. I believe I'm here by divine appointment tonight. And um, I, I, I want to tell you something. You're honored uh, to have this man as your pastor. I mean that. very obvious when you walk into a place and God has given that man spiritual spiritual authority in that house and it's very evident he's already stepped up to me and gave me a word from the Lord that I know was in the Holy Ghost and I receive it and um, I'm glad to have brother Colby Fedrick here preaching a revival in Jackson, Louisiana Uh, I'm honored to see him they're having many, many people receive the Holy Ghost. And uh, so God's doing great things. Also, uh, glad to have my driver with me. He's going to drive me home tonight. Glad to have him. I believe he's been coming with Brother Colby Fedrick. So glad to have Brother Chance McDaniel with us tonight. I, uh, I love the spirit of this church. I love the freedom of worship. And the anointing that's in this place. I uh, I want to go to Genesis chapter one and verse twenty six. Genesis chapter one and verse twenty six. Mm. And God said, "Let us make man in our image." After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Would you lift your hands and ask the Holy Ghost to speak? Jesus, dear Lord, 
I'm asking you to speak in this house. We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need the power of the Spirit. I'm asking you, God, right now in the name of Jesus, take every word out of my mind that you don't want me to say and put everything in that you desire for me to say in this place tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Brother Stevenson, thank you so much for the honor of being here with you tonight. I'm honored to be here, and I give you honor as the pastor of this great church and look forward to uh, getting to know you better. Um, The English language will fail me tonight. The English language will not supply the words that I need to preach. Finite man really has no ability to speak and talk about an infinite God. And so all I will be able to do is the best that I can do in the next few minutes. I want to talk to you about a God that is indescribable. I want to talk to you about a plan that's bigger than we are. And all I can do is use the words of a fallen English language to try to talk to you about the greatness and the goodness of God. God was in heaven alone. He was by himself. I know that when you... When I say that, you immediately say, well, the angels were there. But I just would like to respond with a question. Have you ever been alone in a crowd? Have you ever been in a place that it was obvious to you that no one there was like you? And surrounded, you were lonely. I understand that around the throne of God were seraphims and cherubims and warrior angels. In fact, Isaiah 6, 1 through 3, is where we go to describe heaven. The Bible says that God sat upon his throne and that angels with six wings surrounded his throne, saying, Holy, holy, holy art thou, Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled or full of your glory. I want to preach to you for a few minutes tonight from a strange title. In fact, the title is going to seem um, disrespectful when I give it to you, but just give me a few minutes. Trust me with a few minutes of your time. Before you judge me, I want to preach to you about the incompleteness of God. The incompleteness of God. God was perfect, but He was incomplete in His perfection. God is in heaven alone and He is filled with loneliness. There is something that God needs. The creator of the universe that creates the earth, spun it on its axis, 
the creator of the universe that with his hand slung the stars in the sky. If he wanted light, he just spoke it into existence. If he wanted a firmament, he just spoke and there was a firmament. If he wanted seas, with just his voice, he spoke seas into existence. Everything God wanted, God created, except for the one thing that God needed. And the one thing God needed, he had no ability to create. You know, we sing a song, there's nothing no, there's nothing that my God can't do. And the truth of the matter is, is that song's not true. There are things that God cannot do. God can't forgive one man that won't repent. God can't save one man that don't want to be saved. And the one thing that God needed, he had no ability to create. I'm not trying to take away from God tonight. I'm trying to help you understand him. I'm trying to do my best tonight to help someone see God. Maybe in a fashion that you've never seen him before. And so God, again, the English language is going to fail me tonight. The only thing I can do is put it in terms that finite man can understand. But God, in order to get what he wanted, had to run a risk. He began to imagine a risk, the risk of the universe and the risk of the ages. You see... Heaven was filled with angels, but they were created to do what they were doing. They were created for the purpose. They were fulfilling a purpose. And the angels that were created were nothing like God. You know, you could pay someone tonight to follow you around and say how great you were and Tell you how much they loved you. But that would only last for a little while. And sooner or later, you'd say, you know what, I paid you to follow me around, but now I'm going to pay you to leave me alone. And that's where God was. He reached the point that everything he created was no longer fulfilling him. And he began to think, about something that he desired and something he wanted. And he understood that when I do this, I'm going to run a huge risk. This may work and it may not work. And I know that you're sitting there tonight thinking, but, but how could God not know? Because God knows all things. And there again, there's one area that we're wrong about that. If God knew all things, then how in the world did the centurion soldier make God marvel? If God knows everything, then how did the centurion look, God look at the centurion and the Bible says he marveled 
at his response. He was shocked by the response of the centurion. I know I'm taking just a moment to build a foundation, but just, just give me just a minute or two. Because I came to preach to some people in this house tonight. I came to talk to you. I got a message for you in the next few minutes. You know, we play the game of opposites. Anybody ever played the game of opposites? Where I say up and you would say down. And I would say big and you would respond with small. And I would say hot and you would respond with cold. And I say God. And what would your response be? Many people would respond, they're Lucifer. And that's not true. Lucifer is not the opposite of God. Because God created Lucifer. He is an angel, just like all the rest of the angels in heaven. The truth of the matter is, is when you say, or I say God, the answer to the opposite of God would be me. I am really, truly the only one that can threaten God's throne. No one serves Lucifer. No one quits shirts to serve Lucifer. No one backslides because they want to serve the devil. The only person that can threaten God's throne is you and me. Because we're the only thing made in the image of God and after the likeness of God. And so God began to think about a risk. He began to, to focus on something he could do. And with that in mind, he began to create this planet that you live on. And his heart began to beat as he created it because he had something in his mind. And he began to create a place. He's forming this place and he's speaking light into existence. And, and, and he begins to prepare a place, a stage for something that's in the mind and in the heart of God. He creates mountains and he, he, he don't just push up a mountain. He pushes up the great Tetons. He begins to create waterfalls. And he don't just create a waterfall. He creates Niagara Falls. And he creates, he creates Angel Falls in Brazil. And he creates rivers. And he creates trees and mountains. and all Because in his mind, he is creating a place to run a risk. A place that something is going to happen that's got God's heart beating. And he could have just created a tree and all trees could look alike. You know, he could create it. He could create it. Every tree could look just like other trees and, and we'd never know the difference. But he was doing this for relationship. 
and he got caught up in the emotion of it. And he, when he began to create trees, he created every kind of tree that you can imagine. Because he was doing it for relationships. Something changed in the heart of God. And he could feel the emotions of what he was wanting to do. And because I'm made in the image of God and after the likeness of God, I can imagine, I can think of what God was feeling. He could have created a river and it just been one river, but he didn't. He created every kind of river that you, he, he created rivers that's so small you could step across them. And he created rivers that are so wide that they look like an ocean because he was doing it for this great test that he was going to have. And when he got the place created, he got down on his knees in the dust as though it were, and he began to form man. He began to form man. And one writer, Jewish writer, said every once in a while, he would look at his reflection in the ocean. And when he got done creating man, man looked just like God. And he breathed the breath of life into man. And man got up, the Bible says, a living soul. When the flesh, when the fl flesh made out of dirt met with the breath of God, a soul was created out of those two unions. And Adam looked around. And Adam said, wow, that's the only thing I can imagine him saying. He was amazed at his surroundings. Now listen, this is very important. When Adam stood up, I don't know how far down the road this took him to the wisdom of God, but when Adam stood up, Adam may have known everything God knew. The wisdom of God was in Adam. Can you imagine how, far, how much the fall stole from us? Can you imagine how far we are from that creative state because of sin? Somebody said, how do you know? That Adam knew everything because the Bible tells me that a few minutes later, Adam is walking and talking with God in the cool of the evening. What does a man that don't know anything talk to God about? I'm telling you, in Adam was a mind that was so much like God's that he could converse with God about creation. He tells Adam, I want you to subdue the garden. I want you to tend it. I want you to name the animals. How could Adam have done all that? He just woke up. An hour ago, he did not exist. And now he is tasked with doing God stuff. Doing things that God does. Subduing gardens. Having dominion. Naming the animals. Because, listen to me, the wisdom of God is instantaneous. Knowledge takes a lifetime. But the wisdom of God is an instantaneous thing. Now I'm going somewhere. 
I'm going somewhere. So the difference between knowledge is you, knowledge, you plant a seed in the ground, and in a year or two, you've got a little sprig that comes up out of the ground, and five years later, you got a sapling, and 10 years later, you got a tree that's putting on bark and putting on leaves, and 15 years later, you, you, you've got a tree that you can take shade under, and 20 years from now, you got a tree that you can gather fruit from. But that's, that, that's the knowledge of man. That's man's knowledge. The wisdom of God is altogether different. With the wisdom of God, you didn't know anything one second ago, and a second later, you know everything about that situation because wisdom is the gift of God and that's the only place it can come from and Adam experienced the wisdom of God he stood up and knew everything that God knew can you imagine and then God puts this God man in the garden that has all the wisdom of God, that's not like the angels. Angels cannot surprise God. Angels can't make God marvel. You know what they do? They same, do the same thing the deer does. You know, why we can, you know why we can conquer deer? Because they're on a track. They're going to do the same thing tomorrow that they did today. And all you've got to do is find their habitat and sit there and wait, and in a little while, they're going to come back. Why? Because they never surprise God. They never shock God. God never looks at a deer and says, that deer made me marvel. Because they do exactly what God created them to do. They are pre-programmed. The sun, is, the sun will never surprise God. The moon will never shock God. God will never step back in amazement and say, I didn't expect that. But over and over and over when it comes to man, he says, it repented me that I made man. Because man began to envision things that I never dreamed he would envision. And I remind you of the centurion soldier that shocked God. The ocean is on a track. It can only go so far. My God, have mercy. Everything God created except man. And God made man, put the wisdom of God in man, put him in the garden, and turned him loose with no pre-programming. And that was the risk of the ages. And then God, with a heart beating out of his chest like a lover, waited said, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know where he's going to go. He's got the creative ability of God in him. He's got the wisdom of God in him. He can do everything I can do. He can literally threaten my throne and threaten my kingdom. I can pull the chain on Lucifer. But I've released something into this world that's like me. And he waited... And then with apprehension and nervousness of a boy that approaches that girl's door for the first time and knocks on it, God says, Adam? And Adam says, Yes, Lord! And, I, and God's heart just about beat out of his chest. 
He said, you want to talk with me? Adam said, man, I'd love to walk and talk with you in the evening. And God's never had it so good. Because for the first time in all of God's creation, God's been alone and lonely. The infinite God has been lonely for infinity. And for the first time, there's someone coming to talk to him that's not pre-programmed to do so, that's coming to visit with him just out of their own free will because they want to. And the beauty of the entire situation is it had to be that way. Adam had to have every ability to walk into that garden and say, I'm going to set up on my own kingdom. I ain't interested in you. And for the first time in infinity, God's not lonely anymore because the thing that's just like Him has chosen of his own free will to meet and talk with God. And God gets so much out of this relationship. He gets so much out of this that he says, man, what if there was, what if there was two of them? And so he gets, he takes Adam and he puts Adam to sleep. He puts Adam to sleep and he opens Adam's side up. And out of the side of Adam... He takes a rib. And out of that rib, he begins to form woman, woman. You know what woman stands for? It stands for a man with a womb. Because the same way God was incomplete without Adam, Adam's incomplete without someone to have a relationship with. Adam was perfect at this point. He hadn't sinned yet. But Adam was incomplete in his perfection. Mm. You're going to start catching on in a minute. Adam was created perfect in the image of God. But there was incompleteness in his perfection. Perfect, but incomplete. And out of the side of Adam, he took... Something that had reproductive ability. You see, there was something God couldn't do. In God's incompletion, God could not reproduce. He could create, but not reproduce. (laughs) And he created a womb man out of the side of Adam or a man that had reproductive ability. And he called it woman. And what God wanted and what God was missing and what God could not create was relationship. That's what God wanted to complete him. He wanted relationship with someone. And so he pulled out of the side of Adam, woman. And he said, now as Adam has relationship with her, it'll train him how to have relationship with me. The more he learns how to have relationship with this woman, it'll teach him what I desire and what I need and what I want. My God, have mercy. And so as Adam enjoys relationship 
with this woman, this one man called Eve, as he has relationship with her and, 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 and in, involves himself in relationship with her. Listen, out of that relationship come little Adams that walk like their daddy and talk like their daddy and love the God that their daddy loves. And for the first time, God is getting excited and his heart's beating because Isaiah, the sixth chapter and the third verse is beginning to be fulfilled. It is a prophecy that is beginning to be fulfilled. What were the angels prophesying? Oh Lord, you're great and you're awesome and the whole world is full of your glory. And he told Adam and Eve, he said, you go and fill the earth up with worshipers like you. God, for the first time in the infinity of the ages, is being fulfilled. Because what God wanted, that he could not get any... Can you imagine... I want you to listen to me. I'm finally getting to my message. Can you imagine? And I'm over here because I want you young people here. When I walked in, I was going to preach something different. And I'm struggling and stumbling a little bit because I didn't have time to refresh myself with these notes. I'm having to do it from memory. I hadn't preached this in a long time. But when I walked through you young people over here, God spoke to me and said, this is what I want you to preach to them. Can you imagine and can you believe that you've got the thing, you possess the thing that God wants and God needs and He can't get it anywhere but you. And you can give it to him or you can withhold it from him. It's all in your power. If God wants anything else, he just creates it. But the thing is, it don't fulfill him. He still he can create, he can create universes full of stars and still be empty. He can create worlds and firmaments and still be empty. The only thing that fulfills God. And he's willing to go the cross for it. He's willing to die for it. He's willing to be beat for it. The only thing that fulfills God is the only thing that fulfills you, and that is relationship. He wants a love affair with you. And the only thing that completes God, you possess. And you can either offer it to him or refuse to. Now listen, because I'm going to go to the next step. Listen. He puts a tree in the midst of the garden. A tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now I told you the difference between the wisdom, between wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom is the gift of God. It comes from God. That's the only way you can get it. Knowledge, on the other hand, is what you learn in life. And he put this tree of the wisdom of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, do not eat of that tree. Don't eat of that tree. Now here's the deal. Someone says, well, I could live for God if it wasn't for temptation. So could have the devil. I could live for God if it wasn't for temptation. Let me tell you something. He put the tree in the midst of the garden because without the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
the garden is a prison. Now comprehend what I'm saying here. The garden is a gilded cage. It is a prison if it doesn't have a door. And the most beautiful cage is a prison if it doesn't have a door. You know, you've got these wealthy old men that, that, that marry these young, beautiful girls because they came out, of, came out of adject circumstances. And they give them a Mercedes Benz and a credit card and a marbled floored house, and it lasts for a little while until she realizes I'm a prisoner. This credit card and this house and this car has made me a prisoner. I don't love him. I'm here because of the gilding that he is offering. And finally the day comes that she she says, you know what, I'd rather live in a shack down a dirt road and eat tuna fish sandwiches with a man I love than to live in all of this with somebody I don't love. And it didn't matter how beautiful the garden was. They were prisoners if there wasn't a door. And God runs the risk of the ages. And he can't have them be a prisoner. So he puts the garden, the tree in the midst of the garden. And he says, don't eat of that in the day that you eat of the tree. You're going to die. But if you love me, you'll let me be your sole educator. I'll teach you everything you need to know. You don't have to have the tree of knowledge. See, remember the key to the tree of knowledge is up until the tree of knowledge, God's the sole educator. Everything they need to know, God gives them through wisdom. But the, the key to eating of the tree of knowledge is you'll, be, you'll control your own knowledge. You will be like God. See, he didn't say make me a God. He said make yourself a God. Eat of the tree and you will become a God. The devil knows that no one's going to serve him. He uses your own desire, our own desire, to trip us. Now listen. Adam and Eve takes the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And that's exactly what happens. They die. And listen to me. The real loser in this equation is not man. The real loser is God. Adam's job was to fill the earth full of its glory, his glory with a relationship with his wife Eve. And as a result of that, they would have offspring and fill the earth full of worshipers. And God says to himself, you know what? If you're going to do a job right, just do it yourself. And so enter the earth, the second Adam, Jesus Christ. The second Adam comes to earth. God robes himself in flesh and comes to earth as a man. And for 33 and a half years, he educates himself on what it feels like to be a man because that's something God don't know. The reason it takes him 33 and a half years is God is going to school. 
For 33 and a half years, he walks through every valley that you would walk through. He climbs every mountain that you will climb. He familiarizes himself with what it feels to be betrayed and hurt and wounded and fight bitterness and fight temptation. For 33 and a half years, for the first 30 years of obscurity, he does nothing but immerse himself in what it feels like to be a man. In the last three and a half, after teaching himself what it means to be a man, he teaches some men what God is like. And then he says the same thing about the second Adam that he said about the first Adam. It's not good that the second Adam dwell alone. And he puts him to sleep on the cross. And out of the side of the second Adam, just like the first Adam, he takes something out of the side. He pierces this the side of the second Adam. And what he takes out of the side of the second Adam, he begins to make his bride. Woo! Out of the side of the second Adam. My God have mercy. The eve of the church. He begins to form, but this time it was out of blood and water. I'm going to tell you, if you hadn't come through the blood and you hadn't come through the water, you're not a part of the bride. you got to come through the blood and the water to be the bride. You can be seated. Listen, out of the second Adam, he takes the bride. And then he says, in this relationship, in this love affair between the second Adam and the church, babies are going to be born. (laughs) And these babies are going to walk like their daddy. And they're going to talk like their daddy. And they're going to look like their daddy. And the whole earth will be filled with his glory. Mm. Now listen. God went to all those extents. And I'm, 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 I'm now building toward my clothes. But God went to all of those extents for one reason and one reason alone. And that's because God, more than anything in the universe, wanted a relationship. He wanted to have a love affair with somebody. He wanted somebody to want to walk with him and talk with him and visit with him above all other things. But it had to be their choice. You see, the reason temptation is in this world is if you can be tempted away from him, you're not worthy of him. If you've got your eyes on other things besides him, then you're not worthy of him. This is why the Bible says if any man puts his hand to the plow and then looks back, he's not worthy of the kingdom of God. But the Bible also says out of the church came men and women that this world was not worthy of them because they got their minds so on relationship with God that they were not even good for this world. Now, I was shocked. When you put that graphic up for my message, I want to ask you, who chose the graphic for my message? Huh? Did you choose that graphic for my message? 
Have you went online and heard me preach this before? That graphic could not be better. Perfect. Here's what I'm going to tell you. And I've I've built this entire message for this point right here. Brother Stevenson, I feel like I could just sit down and weep. I'm, I'm so overcome with these young people. Because we live in a world where the devil... Want young people to feel insignificant. When I was growing up, young young people sat arrogant with their arms folded and bold and defied the preacher, and the preacher would reach for them and they'd sit on the back row and defy the ministry. Anybody remember that? It's been a long time since I've seen that. Young people aren't like that anymore. You know what they do? They, they sit in the front, and the devil makes them feel unworthy. I'm going to tell you, there's a bigger enemy than pride that we're fighting today. And that's the enemy of low self-esteem. Where the devil tells people, you're not worthy. Nobody cares about you. You don't fit in. Well, I want to tell you something. There's no... Such a thing as an accident. If you exist, if you exist, you don't exist because two people got together in, in, a, in, a, in a flop house or a drug house. No. There's too many people out there that wants children and can't have them. There's too many people that would do anything, go to fertility clinics to have a child and can't have children. And let me go a step further and tell you, only God can spark life. Only God. If God did not want you to exist, if God did not handpick you to live right now today, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. And you were created for one reason and one reason alone. And that's God wanted relationship with you. This relationship business isn't a general deal. God wanted relationship with you or you would not exist. I'm going to tell you two people, two people could have got together in a dope house or a drug house or after a night of dancing somewhere and ended up in a motel room together and, 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 it, and it failed and no child be born of that. So it don't matter how God uses to get you here. Do you understand the miracle of birth? The miracle of birth is an amazing thing. Depending on the youth and the age of the male. Somewhere around 5 million sperm cells start for an egg. 5 million variables of what you can look like. And whether you're male or female. And how tall and short you are. 
and what your nature's like and what your eye color's going to be. And the God of the heavens begins to select what sperm's going to get there to match with that egg so that you can fulfill what you are. You were hand-selected. That's why makeup's so wrong. That's, that's, that's why dyeing your hair and changing your eye color and doing things that's unnatural is so wrong because out of five million variables, God chose that you would look just like you look. He chose your hair color. He chose your eye color. He shows that you would be exactly what you are and you're beautiful in the eyes of God. He created you to have relationship because he was lonely. Let me tell you what God will do. Let me tell you what God will do. God, God will walk past governors and presidents and, and officials and people with money and people with wealth and people with dignity and he'll walk down a dirt road to a little old trailer to a woman that'll talk to him and wake her up in the middle of the night. By God have mercy. She may not have nothing but green sitting on the stove and peanut butter in the cupboard but that's not what matters to God. He, God found in her someone that'll visit with him. Someone that have a relationship with him. And he'll go to her bed in the middle of the night and wake her up and say, Sweetheart, you want to talk? I want to tell you the deep things of God. I want to share with you my vision. I want to talk to you about what's in the heart of God. And there's young people sitting here. I don't want to take advantage of your time. I won't preach much longer. But there's young people sitting on these pews right now. And you know what you're thinking? You're asking yourself, well, what's my purpose? Who am I? There are young people that literally go to suicide because they can't decide who they are and what they're supposed to be. Let me tell you something. God don't have a bunch of young people and then he starts trying to come up with purpose. The purpose existed before you were born. God don't create purpose because you exist you exist because the purpose was already there why you exist will you come with me just a minute will you help me walk with me just a second I don't know who this girl is I have no idea let me tell you about her. She was hand-fashioned by God. Let me tell you about this young lady. You see this thumb right here? How many billion people are on the earth right now? Anybody know? Huh? Almost 8 billion people. Almost 8 billion people on the face of the earth. Can I tell you something? Out of 8 billion, there's only one thumb like that one. Only one. Hang on, don't go nowhere. Out of eight billion people, 
she can walk through an identification scanner. And they can pull up exactly who she is with the iris of her eye. Because there's not another iris like that one on this planet. You know what that means, young lady? It means you're a piece in God's puzzle. It means that you were created by God for purpose. Because God was in heaven and He was lonely. And He began to imagine a girl just like you. And out of five billion sperm cells, He selected the right ones that you would look just like you look and act just like you act and have the nature that you have. So whatever they want to say that you are in God's sight, you are perfect. You are absolutely exactly what He created. And there is a purpose for you. There is a reason that you exist. Stay with me, darling. Be seated one more time. Come on. I, I, I'm drawing to a close. I, I, I'm telling you, i got to finish this. i got to finish this. And the devil, stay with me. Don't go anywhere. And the devil wants to come to you young people and say, you don't matter. You're insignificant. Nobody likes you. No one's interested in you. you, you don't, you're not measure up to par. There's no purpose for you. You're just a... No, 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 no. I'm going to tell you, God created you. God selected you. God handpicked you. And you were created for the purpose I don't know what you're called to be, darling, and I'm not going to pretend that I do. And I'm not going to act like God spoke to me, but let me just tell you, for instance, it just could be that you're called to missions. It just could be that you're supposed to go to a remote place in Africa or India. You know what God did? Before you were ever born, and he, if He has to use a donkey to preach His message, He will. What does that mean? That means if God to get you, and I don't know who your parents are. Your parents may be upstanding people in this church. And so I'm, I'm saying this right now just simply for those that may have come from abject circumstances. But in order to get you, if, if God had to select a drug addict to get together with an alcoholic to produce you, don't worry about how he got you here. about how he got you here that's not what matters what matters is if he's got to take you to a remote place in India you got to have just the right nature and you got to fit the pattern because you're going to walk in and they're going to just start falling as you teach Bible studies and God's going to fill them with the Holy Ghost because you exactly fit the bill and it took exactly what you are Be seated and so don't you ever let anybody make fun of you. And don't you ever let anybody ridicule you. And don't you let anybody ever put you down or make you feel insignificant. Because God created just exactly what you are. And if God's happy with you, nobody else matters. 
nobody else matters. No. You see, a great big, a great big God has a great big reservoir. He didn't stop creating at the, at, at the sixth day of creation when he rested. He rested so he could start over. He's been creating ever since. Every time they create a telescope with a greater lens, they find galaxies they never knew existed. And the reason there's seven billion, eight billion people on this earth is because God's got a big reservoir of loneliness. And one day, he was sitting on his throne... And he said, I need a girl to have a relationship with. I need a girl that will talk to me and walk with me and that I can use her in my kingdom. And in the mind of God, he imagined just exactly what you are. And because God's God, he began to work it out to manipulate just what stands here today. And guess what? You're incomplete. If you don't have God. But can I tell you something? If God created you for relationship. And you're not giving him that relationship. Then his puzzle's missing a piece. Until you come into the kingdom. Thank you sweetheart. You can be seated. So that's why. Sin is so torturous. Musicians, come please. That's why not having a relationship with God leaves you so empty. Because the same way God's missing a piece in His puzzle if you're not having a relationship with Him, He hollowed out a place in you when He created you that only relationship with God can fill. You can try to fill it with gambling and you can try to fill it with alcohol. You can try to fill it with partying. You can try to fill it with marriage and college and all the things that people try to put in there. But it only temporarily satisfies because it's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole and plug the hole. Only God. The only way I know how to describe it to men is it's like, it's like tires out of balance on a car. And the only way I know how to describe it to women is it's like a washing machine with a load out of balance. If you're not in proper alignment with your relationship with God, you're out of balance. And that lack of balance creates angst and pressure. You know what I'm talking about? It builds up because it, as it spins, it gets worse and worse and worse. And the older you get trying to run from your relationship with God, the only further out of balance your life's going to become. And the out of balance creates tension and tension creates friction and friction creates heat. You can try to oil it with alcohol and you can try to oil it with drugs and you can try to oil it with gambling and you can do all the things you want to do to shut the tension down. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to wind up out of your mind committing suicide or a drug addict or dying an early death. It's somewhere you don't accept the fact I was hand-selected and created by God because God was in heaven lonely 
And he created me just exactly what I am because he wanted relationship with me. And I'm incomplete without him. But the bigger thing is, he's incomplete without me. Stand together and lift your hands all over this house. Come on. I need somebody to step in that realm of anointing right now. You, the, I feel it in this church. You know what I'm talking about. Take commando. Say tamanda da da mundo. Riandiso mundo codiandada la munda hai. Sir, ma'am, I'm calling for you tonight. God sent me all the way from Mississippi to preach this message to you. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's something big about to happen in this place. There's something huge about to happen in this house. Nobody looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I got to talk, talk to a lady right now. Mm. I think I know exactly who I'm talking to. But this week, the devil's overwhelmed you with loneliness and anxiety and a feeling of incompleteness and that everything's wrong in your life and everything's out of control in your life and I'm going to tell you I'm sick and tired of him lying to people and beating them down like that because you were hand selected by God I came to defeat his lies right now come on your marriage ain't in trouble the devil's lying to you God, are you hearing me right now? Your marriage isn't in trouble. The devil's lying to you. He's creating angst in your marriage. And it's all insecurity and fear that he's inflicting on you. It's time, sweet darling, for you to throw your shoulders back and say, I'm not listening to you, devil. My, my marriage is okay. My salvation's okay. My, my God. I, I... Come on. I'm about to give the altar call, but there's two or three more I got to talk to. Man, I'm not trying to pick on the women, but there's a girl over here. Nobody looking around because I don't want—I I don't want somebody to see your face and 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 realize who I'm talking to. There's a girl over here that there was—I'm I, I, just going to say it—there was sexual abuse when you were young and the devil has used that to make you feel unworthy and make you feel like you can't operate ministry and make you feel like you're damaged goods and I came to preach this message to tell you it doesn't matter what happened to you you're not identified by what happened to you that's your, not your identity my God, do you hear what I'm telling you right now? Don't you let the devil identify you by something that you really couldn't help. That's not your Your identity is what God created you for, and you can still fulfill that role. Hmm. I'm almost done, but if, you're, if it's appropriate, I want you to pray for somebody around you and with somebody around you right now. Come on, come on. I need somebody to tap into the Spirit. Now. Now. 
Now step through. Step in. Step in. Step in. Right now it's here. It's here. Step into it. Step in. Walk into it right now, sir. Walk into it right now, ma'am. There's a cup. Oh, my God. There is a couple here that you've been called to ministry and the devil has beat you up and beat you down. He's beat you with financial trouble. He's built you with marriage problems until you finally said, we might as well give up. We can't never be anything. We're too dysfunctional. I came all the way to Mississippi to tell you that if you're the one that's been saying that, oh yeah, I'm talking to you. It's not true. God has purpose for you. All right. One last thing, and I'm going to open this altar. There's three people in this house that you keep saying, one of these days I'm really going to throw in with God. I mean, I'm going to give Him everything I got. You've been saying that a long time. You keep saying, well, I know I've been messing around. I've been messing around and putting my feet in the, in, in the edge of the water. But one of these days, I'm really going to dive in and be what God's called me to be. Let me ask you something. When are you going to do it? How long are you going to keep putting it off? Why don't you do it now? I want to challenge you to be man enough and woman enough to just do it tonight. Just go ahead tonight. At the end of this message, while the Spirit's here, come out of that pew and say, All right, God, I'm throwing in with you. Why not now? How long are you going to put it off? You're going to put it off till Jesus comes? You're going to put it off till the Antichrist shows up? How long are you going to wait? I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, tonight's the night. Today's the day of salvation. It's time for you to come out of that pew and say, I'm selling out. I'm going to walk in my ministry. I'm going to walk in what God's called me to be. I'm coming out now. Lift your hands right now. These altars are open. Somebody needs to come out of that pew.